Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank descriptions of sex, and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy. Emma's eyes bounced from Joe's gaze to her lips to her eyes again. Her breath hiccuped and she didn't have any words, but she nodded, so suddenly that she might have pulled a muscle. And then Joe was kissing her. Joe was kissing her and it was just like last time and how soft and perfect it was. But it was also nothing like last time because Joe put her hands on Emma's hips, held on when Emma's knees went weak. Neil! Yes? Neil, we're doing a podcast. We are! We are. Oh dear. We're doing a podcast. Doing a podcast. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Marry, Kill with the characters. Yes, we do. Uh, all the spoilers. Uh, so many spoilers. Like, you know... Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, you, know, you leave something out for a long time, and then it just goes bad. These books don't go bad, but we do tell you what happens at the end of them. <laughs> These books don't go bad, we do. <laughs> Claire and Neil, break bad. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. We may have been in isolation too long. <sighs> you are literally in a closet right now. <laughs> it's true. Very uh, true. Bless. Um, um, and uh, just real quick, um, I'm having uh, microphone problems. So if the sound quality is a little different from my end, it's just because, like, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Hashtag microphone problems. Hashtag microphone problems. Hashtag mic, mic probs. Yeah. That's what we're all dealing with. It's You're so relatable, Claire. I'm so relatable. Ugh. <laughs> uh, so we read some books. We did. Do you I want to tell what, tell what books you picked? I suppose I could. Um, we read Somewhere Only We Know by Maureen Gu. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Apologies if that is not. Um, and Something to Talk About by Meryl Wilsner. Uh-huh. And the theme and I I realized as soon as Christine said it in the last episode that they're both song titles. Yeah, yeah. But that's not anyway. Um but these are celebrities. A celebrity and a normie. A celebrity and a normie. Yes, yes. So I'm very excited to talk about that. But first But first Claire. Yes, Neil. What's got you hot and bothered? Oh, um, aquariums. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, Go on. So in this uh, period of stress and angst, um, I've been trying to find videos on YouTube that make me calm. And uh, some of the videos I found are actually very quiet aquarium maintenance videos. <laughs> is there like some smr or asmr um like voiceovers of like and then you take the filter out and there's like soft little bubble noises i think and then you run it under warm water with a brush i think 
some of them do do that, but the one series I've been listening to in particular, it's just very quiet, either piano or guitar music. And, <laughs> and he's got like, uh, and he like has text of like the different, um, the different of what he's doing so that you know what's happening. And then he just, he builds his own aquariums and then he designs what's happening in them and the plants, and the, the fish and the shrimps and what their lives are like and honestly you get i got so invested there's a whole drama with like these little fish and like if they're fighting each other and like they you know they're they're fighting over like this like you know piece in the aquarium that they feel territorial about but also it's just really soothing to watch the water flow and the fish go back and forth i think there's a direct correlation between you liking these and how much you like the sims uh yeah yeah I, that does make a lot of sense and didn't occur to me until you said it right now <laughs> um i will also say that um because of this i have taken a very large uh it's it's almost like eight gallons uh, glass container that i have mm-hmm. and i have put soil on the bottom of it planted it with water plants and filled it with fucking water so now i have an aquarium <laughs> oh is that that bowl that was in your office that had all the like knickknacks and whatnot Little in it knickknacks and things yes okay yes. okay i emptied that out and uh it will contain fishes at some point <laughs> i i i don't know why i just had the image of like finally when it's safe to come over to your house and it's an aquarium that you never put fish in but you just like sit there and stare at the water and just Ugh. like claire claire it is motherfucking soothing i'll tell you what <laughs> it's motherfucking soothing look because now i can just put on like my quiet guitar music that i super like and uh i can just listen to my guitar music and watch water gently move <laughs> around the bowl um, <laughs> It's so nice. So, if at some point look, you end up serenading your fish by playing guitar at them, I will not judge you. Uh, nobody should. And I will also say, some people have decided that sourdough is where it's at. No, my friend, it's fishes. <laughs> fishes. Because <laughs> uh, they also take a lot of patience. It is also a lot of like it's a little bit of set it and forget it but then come back and pay attention to it for very brief instances and then set it and forget it (laughs) good i'm glad you're finding solace in gently moving water oh it's so nice it's i mean like it's the same as like sitting by the edge of a lake just in your office yeah yeah so um or we could put it another way i am isolated so i've decided to isolate fish I am punishing fish. <laughs> yeah, well, they deserve it. Everyone must feel my fucking pain. They know what they did. They know what they did. Um. Anyway, that's yeah. me. So, Neil, what yeah. are you hot and or and bothered about? <laughs> um. So, the New York Times has a podcast called Rabbit Hole. Mm. Um. It's very interesting and tremendously upsetting. It is about how the internet is changing social discourse, essentially. Um, I don't know. So it's it's eight episodes. I don't know if they're going to do... And it's sort of like wrapped up. So I don't know if they're going to do another 
chunk or like a second season or whatever, but it's mostly about YouTube and how um, YouTube's algorithm is influencing people's political views because the algorithm is set up to get people to watch for as long as possible. And so it's literally just, oh, you like this video? Here's this other video. And so they talk to these different people who are it usually like the typical narrative is somebody who's like unemployed for some reason or um something has happened that they feel that the system has failed them and then slowly but surely they get brought into like QAnon and different stuff like that and they were talking to this one guy i think he's they interview him over a couple episodes because also fittingly because of how the sound it like the sound effects and like the intro and outro stuff of the episodes if you listen to them all at once it sounds like one long episode it's almost impossible to distinguish the different episodes and i'm like i hope that was an intent that was intentional new york times anyway um we have this guy he just like slowly but surely gets um radicalized yeah radicalized indoctrinated by and i forget the names that they brought up in the like the movement but that's basically it's not quite QAnon or deep state but basically just like at one point youtube was like here you want to watch these videos by this guy who says that white people are better than everyone and here's the science behind it right and by that point the guy was like oh yeah totally i guess this makes sense but then slowly but surely youtube showed him a video of one of the very right wing alt-right people that he had been talking to talking to this other youtuber and again i don't know names but apparently there's this youtuber who's very liberal but he will and he'll like have discussions with people while they play video games together and he's always exceedingly well researched and um doesn't throw his punch or hold his punch what's the throw his punches what's the Uh, pull his punches thank you christine um he doesn't pull his punches he's like he will swear and just be like no you're a fucking idiot and here's why because you said x and now you're saying y blah 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 and so then after seeing that video this guy that they were interviewing was showing other videos basically aimed at people who had been indoctrinated to the alt-right and and these youtubers being like okay here's critical thinking and why they're full of bullshit so he just like went on this bell curve it's crazy it's absolutely insane and i really recommend everyone listen to it but it's also super depressing so yeah i've listened to a couple of different things that talk about um the radicalization of people via youtube algorithm mm-hmm. um and how like and uh so one of the things um i do that's bad for my anxiety when i'm in the middle of an anxiety throw like in the middle of the night i go onto youtube and i look up disaster videos it's bad i know it's bad like and i haven't done it for a long time so just like i know that's one of the triggers and one of the Mm -hmm. things i'm doing like if i don't realize i'm having an anxiety attack and suddenly i'm looking at like earthquake videos i'm like oh i'm out oh i think i know what's happening (laughs) that's when you take a hard pivot and watch that bon appetit series with drag queens or aquarium um, <laughs> yeah, I, we're we're posing both a problem and a solution here. It's like, hey, listen to this podcast that Neil recommends, but then watch the YouTube videos of aquariums that Claire recommends to balance out. 
Indeed, indeed. Um, but even I, like, late at night, so I'm like, you know, earthquakes caught on tape, and then, like, tsunamis, and then, like, whatever. All roads lead to Nazis. Like, if you just let <laughs> any of those videos play, sooner or later, there's going to be some white nationalist bullshit that's going to come up, and it's going to be like, oh, did you know the earth was flat? Also, it's because of the Jews, and the... Yeah, earthquakes are caused by the Jews. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah all the flat... Ath- all the flat earther stuff is eventually about how the Jews are destroying everything. And it's horrific and weird as fuck. And in fact, <laughs> I even feel bad for saying any of this out loud because now someone's going to go on YouTube just to look it up to make sure that I'm not lying. But it's true. Don't, don't YouTube it. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do it. Yeah, don't tell the algorithm. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh... Let's talk about some romance instead. Yes, let's talk about romance. Somewhere only we know. Marine Go. 10 p.m. Lucky is the biggest K-pop star in the scene, and she's just performed her hit song Heartbeat in, in Hong Kong to thousands of adoring fans. She's about to debut on The Tonight Show in America, hopefully a breakout performance for her career. But right now in her fancy hotel trying to fall asleep but dying for a hamburger 11 p.m jack is sneaking into the fancy hotel on assignment for his tabloid job that he keeps secret from his parents on his way out of the hotel he runs into a girl wearing slippers a girl who is single-mindedly determined to find a hamburger she looks kind of familiar she's very cute he's maybe curious 12 a.m nothing will ever be the same with her trademark humor and voice, Marine Goo delivers a sparkling story of, of taking love on uh, a chance on love. Sorry, taking a chance on love and finding yourself along the way. And that's that book. That's what that book says that book is. Neil, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what's that book about? Um, kind of that. It's, ba- it's basically Roman Holiday. It is Roman Holiday, and I love it so much! So if you like Roman Holiday, I'm sure you'll love this book. It's Roman Holiday in Hong Kong. So, you know. With a K-pop star. It follows all the same beats, too. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, what more could you need? Anyway, that's that book. Now, um, so, we start with, uh, Lucky, who's, um, a K-pop star. She is from L.A., but moved back to, or not back to, but moved to Korea to become a K-pop star. And now she is about to have her debut in America, which is just like so circular in my mind. But then also knowing mainstream media, it's like, oh, Asian people only come from Asia. Anyway, um, so she's just finished a show in Hong Kong and in like a not the next day, but the day after she's flying out to LA to do a guest spot on a late night show. So, um, we find out very quickly. So she is 17, um, has already had plastic surgery because apparently I'm sure this is true. I had no idea. There's like record labels that do K-pop will have like boot camp where like all the upcoming K-pop stars will go and live somewhere and then go through the vocal and the dance training, uh, be put on incredibly restrictive diets, have plastic surgery before the age of 16. So like she's 17, she's already had the double lid surgery. Um, and I think she, I think she's had another one and I don't remember what. Um, 
and she's 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 the hugest name in k-pop right now um but oh god it was like she finished her concert and they go back to the hotel and she's like can i have dinner and the manager's like oh here you go and it's a salad with like a vinaigrette and a side of almonds and i'm just like how is she not dead she's she just burned a bunch of calories dancing on stage in like thigh high silver pumps how is she not dead she needs more calories than that and it will say, and they also sit her down and make her watch an old video of herself to see how far she's come. So she has mm-hmm, to watch mm-hmm. the old video and the new video of just this nice performance side by side. And she's just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I just want to eat a hamburger and go to bed. Please don't make me do this. <laughs> but she also notices that the video from that night, the choreography was better. But the previous video, she looked happier yeah and she like she's starting to realize that she actually isn't happy um but then she feels guilty about that because of how much that she and her family has sacrificed to get her where she is so that's the beginning of her journey i'm like great 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 um and then she's about to go to bed they gave they give her sleeping pill and an anti-anxiety pill and then she wakes up and she's like i want a hamburger and just like stumbles out of the hotel and ends up in the streets of Hong Kong, where she has never been before. Uh-huh. And I was just like, okay, okay, okay. So then we get Jack, who is also, uh, were his his parents were also from Korea? Or his grandparents yeah. were from Korea? No, his parents. Okay, so both yeah. of them, they grew up in LA, but their parents were from Korea. Um, but they moved out to Hong Kong for his dad's job and he's on a gap year before college because his family thinks he's going into banking and he doesn't want to admit to he knows that he hates banking he doesn't want to admit to himself that he wants to like pursue photography um so that's him and then he happens to be in the hotel because he's like trying to get some because he's moonlighting as a tabloid. As a uh, tabloid photographer. photographer. So he's about to get pictures of, um, it sounded like an American, an American actor who is in Hong Kong for a shoot having an affair with, uh, I think she was a Chinese actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a point that she catches on to what he's doing and she's like well I hope you know you're going to ruin a bunch of lives and he's basically just like you're a celebrity you're not a real people whatever it's your fault bye I'm like oh so he's a garbage person sure that's fine that's fine Um, so basically he just like doesn't believe that celebrities are entitled to privacy and that because they are celebrities they've signed a social contract, contract saying that absolutely anything is up for grabs but of course, he's just using that to justify the fact that he's doing this because he needs money and blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, he he moved out of his parents' place and he lives in an apartment with his friend where they share a bed. They, like, rotate each week who gets to sleep on the bed and who gets to sleep on the couch. Yeah. I'm just like, bro. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anyway, so they run into each other. Um, she's like that night so she's kind of off because of the various medications and then he's he thinks that she's wasted and then he does the good thing of like okay I'm gonna like kind of humor her but also keep an eye out for her and she's just like I need a hamburger and he's like I guess I'll find you a hamburger I don't know 
Um, and then they, she kind of like is on the verge of passing out. So he takes her back to his place. And that's when he discovers that she is the K-pop star Lucky. And he's like, oh, well, here's what I got to do. Tomorrow, I'm going to convince her to spend the day with me, and I'm going to take a bunch of pictures, and then I'm going to wait until she makes it big in America, because then I'll get even more money for the pictures. Yes. I'm like, you're a garbage person. Yeah. But by the end of the book, he's much less of a garbage person, so it all works out. Anyway, so then the, I mean, like, and I'm not going to go through the, the beats of the day that they spent together. It's really sweet. It's really cute. It's so delightful. I mean, like, because they have intense conversations about philosophy. Yes. And religion, about what it means to, like, and it's not just, like, vapid talk either. It's, like, what it means to be selfish, what, what it means to be giving, like, she like and it also like what when you actually love doing a thing like what that changes for your life and like she like she sees him as a person with like very handsome like obviously super attracted to him but also like sees him as a directionless person and she does judge him for that she's like no you have to have a direction what i love about her so much is that even though she is unhappy in the way that this has all gone down she actually really does love it too. Like it's not that she's she does she wants to give up all this and have a normal life. She does not want to do that. She wanted to be famous and now she is and she's not regretting that. But what she is regretting is that she has no control. And I think what he shows her is that you do have control. You actually you just haven't exerted it because you think exerting control is selfish. And then she kind of teaches him the same thing like you are in fact being selfish by just living your life in this moment under lies and just for yourself and like like using your parents as cover using like this your friend as cover and using all of this like you're not actually even living for yourself either you're not being honest with even yourself and like both of them like grow a lot mm-hmm. over the course of the day together and it is romantic and it is tender the kiss <gasps> Neil the kiss uh, I think it is one good. of the single and it, it, it is a it, like it takes pages to go over this first kiss and how lovely it is and like it starts off as one of those distraction kisses. Oh God, we have to kiss so that we can distract people from seeing us. But then it turns into a real kiss so slowly and so naturally. And like his feelings and he's like, I'm obvious. Like he says this over and over, like I've been bad. Like this was a bad thing. But the best part is like when she discovers finally that he's actually a tabloid journalist and that he's been pulling all of this and she runs away from him and he's so upset and he wants to chase after her because he's changed his mind by now. He realizes that was a garbage idea and he's a horrible person and he wants to tell her all this. And he calls his friend Charlie, who's his roommate. Charlie's the best. Charlie's the best. His roommate. Also like a taxi driver and Charlie picks him up and is like, and knew like by this time everybody knows that she's lucky and like that's every that's that that actually went really well but um charlie's like so and he's like i'm worried she's hurt and he's like you're worried you hurt her though right and he's like um 
no, why would I, what, he's like, come on, man, were you using her for a story? And he's like, uh, yes, he's like, dick. And he's like, what, what are you, what, me? And he's like, yeah, you dick. She liked you, and you threw that away? You complain about your garbage life all the time, and you finally get something cool, and you fuck it up? You're a douche. You're a douche. I was like, I love Charlie so much. I love Charlie. And there's a point, too. It's funny. It talks about how he um, leans into his British accent when he's, like, trying to charm women. Oh, God. And the fact he, like, he moonlights as a cab driver, but just, like, does not care about traffic laws. It just, like, blasts techno music while he's driving. I imagined, like, like, uh, rave lights going on in his car, too. Oh, so good. But he's just, yeah, he was just like, guy, don't fuck this up. Yeah. Like, we, we have to share, we rotate a bed. Like, dude, we both are living garbage lives. So, like, don't fuck it up when something good shows up. Ugh. It was really good. Okay. I, and I would say, like, if, like, this is just like Roman Holiday, where Roman Holiday goes all over um, Rome, and you see all these cool tourist locations and eat all this amazing food. This does the same thing for Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. If you go all over Hong Kong and you see all kinds of amazing things, and... And this is like a really, really good example of why own voices is so important when you're doing a narrative, like, because you get to like, both of these people are Korean, and that is not ignored in the narrative, like the Mm -hmm. way they speak, like the intonations of their voice, like their backgrounds, their history, like the conflicts between themselves and their American sides, like what it feels like to be a foreigner in a place full of foreigners versus a foreigner versus like a citizen that looks foreign in America and like the differences mm-hmm. between those things, how you can feel comfortable, like the way people are treated as adults in other country versus children in our country, like all of those things, like it was amazing and really well put together and very interesting. And um, I don't know, it was, it was luscious and fun and exciting and really, really honest. Mm-hmm. And so this was a tiny thing that that the author did that just like, like I read it and I was just like, ah! Um, So it does the thing where it switches off perspectives and it like has the name of the character. Mm -hmm. And for the lucky chapters, it's lucky, lucky, lucky. And then it's after, so she, after the day and they teach each other, like you need to have the strength and the self-worth to like, fight for your art and to fight to do it the way that you want to do it so at the end of the day she goes to LA to do her performance and she like does it how she wants to do it oh my god we have to talk about the karaoke scene too yes 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 anyway so she she does the the fictional late night show um and she like is just about to do it and it does the thing where the music starts and she doesn't start singing and everyone's like uh, and of course by then Jack is watching it he's, mm-hmm. he's watching it streaming and it's just like uh. um, and then she like has them stop the music she like takes off the you know like she kicks off the ridiculous boots that she hates but are her like quote signature look I think she pulls the wig off because she, she usually performs with a pink wig so she like pulls the wig off strips off all the like 
accessories so she's just like it's her barefoot in like very simple clothing she starts a cappella and then she like cues the music to start again and she just like performs the way that she wants to perform and it's just like so beautiful and then that's the beginning of her like her uh manager's assistant ji yoon is like in her corner all the time and we see when this is done the assistant and her start a record label just for her where ji yoon is now her manager anyway so it cuts to after this it cuts to a year later and it it's it, so the thing was like one year later i was like if these bitches are married i swear to god they were not married nope they actually hadn't seen each other in a year anyway so then it starts following lucky but the chapter is labeled Catherine because that's her real name and she's not lucky anymore she's Catherine again and I was just like ah like it was so good that tiny thing and for a second I was like who the fuck is Catherine and I know she had a sister and I was like is this the sister are we following the sister all of a sudden no it's her oh my god and I loved it it was like that little thing was just like yes she's herself again it was so beautiful so good. And like the way the way they come back together, like uh, was natural. They get they make their own choices. Like mm-hmm. he goes to college to, to start yeah. learning photography. He goes to photography at UCLA, which we all knew was what he was going to do eventually. But you know, right. But like it was it was really good. And like I, I you know, and this is and this is a YA lit. Like it's so mm-hmm. it's not about the sexy stuff, and it is about the romance. But they're just beginning their lives, so of course they're not going to get married and whatever. And I wasn't expecting that, but well, you never know. I mean, honestly, but I what I really liked was that these two people did fall in love with each other, and they did they didn't fix each other, but they helped each other learn something. Yes, and. And that is what love is supposed to do. Like, love yeah. is supposed to help you grow as a person and learn new things. And it was just like, um, and like, and that's, of course, where it differs from Roman Holiday, because Roman Holiday, they separate forever, and they, because she's a princess, and he's mm-hmm. still a journalist. <laughs> so, like, they're never going to be together. Um, but at the end of this, so it was like, how do they get back together? And, like, she publicly forgives him and says she still supports him publicly and gives him like gives him the gift of being allowed to acknowledge his own path out loud because she out loud acknowledges that he's a photographer and he's going to publish the photos he took of her and she wants that and so like that gives him the end to tell his parents everything and like that was great that was really nice Oh, and it made me so hungry. All the food. Yeah, it sounded so good. There was a part two, like, he had the photos, and he went into his boss's office and was about to hand them over for the story. And I was like... And, like, knowing that she... Uh, was so unhappy and performing, I was half expecting her to give it up so that it doesn't matter that he publish the story anymore and then they like find a way to forgive each other whatever so i was like half convinced that he was going to hand the photos over but then of course his boss was like ah yeah let's grill this bitch or whatever he says (laughs) jack's like what the fuck is wrong with you you don't even know this girl and you're calling her a bitch shut the fuck up bro i quit and he leaves and of course the boss is like if you walk out of this office and jack's like fuck you like deuces i'm out 
Yeah, I don't want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was really good. And this is the... F- it was also... oh. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go I ahead. Mean, this was also, like, the one thing that I, like, because he, you know, it is a garbage thing to do to treat people like cele- celebrities even like this, but mm-hmm. I think when she he lies, he says, oh, I'm a wedding photographer. And she's like, oh, that's so cool. You get to witness all these moments of love. And in his head, he's like, I, I witness a lot of humanity being bad to itself, like people hurting their children and like people like having affairs on the people they say they love and people doing terrible things to people. I don't witness nice things. And like, and I know he's using that to also like say why what he's doing is okay. But also that's true. Like this is the first time he's followed somebody and it was because she's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And not because they were also doing a kind of not okay thing. Though I do want to point out just because someone is having sex with someone who is not their spouse does not necessarily mean that it is an affair. I mean, that's also true. That's also true. But that's the assumption we're working under here. So, Right. Um, so all through the day, there's like... So he he knows. She doesn't know that he knows. And so she's able to... like. She uses him as therapist, but not really. She uses him as a sounding board. Um, she has this this story that she's there with her church choir, so she's able to like talk through her feelings with him, knowing that it's not going to actually affect his career. And then, of course, the whole day there's like the danger of her being discovered, and it does happen once. Oh my god, that scene was great! And he gets on a scooter, and it turns out he can't drive it. Just like, do you really not know how to drive a scooter? Pull over! I know how to drive a scooter. Come on. <laughs> So she's driving the scooter through Hong Kong and he's telling her where to go, which is great. Um, but then there's another scene where she does... Oh, also because of the... Like, this book was the first that we've read in a while that I was like, okay, okay, I should go to bed, but just one more chapter. Okay, just one just one more chapter. It's fine. Like, this I, this was a page turner for me. Um, but the second time that she gets discovered was at the karaoke bar. <sighs> We have to talk about this stage because it's so beautiful. It's so lovely. So she gets up. She decides to sing her own song. And I'm just like, and this is after they had escaped on the scooter. So she, she decides to sing her own song. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to end terribly. And Jack's in the back just like, oh, my God, this is going to end terribly. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. But then she starts singing. And she does it different. She, like, kind of jazzes it up a bit. Like, puts some, puts some stank on it. Yeah. And then people realize that it's her and she sees people realizing that it's her and she's like, okay, well, they're going to take pictures. It's going to show up on social media. My management's going to know where I am. So this is the end of the night, but like I'm going out on my own terms kind of thing. And then everyone in the audience, no phones come out. Everyone in the audience is just like, this is just a moment between us. Just this room of people is just sharing this moment. And a couple people came up to her afterwards and were just like, you, thank you so much. Your music has meant so much to me, and and like I I think so very highly of you, and and you're great, and I just want you to know that you're great and how much you mean to me, and it was just like so very touching for her, and then oh, it was so sweet, it was just so beautiful. Like, this really lovely moment where she realizes she's been taught to be thankful for her fans mm-hmm. that they've gotten her everything she needed, so she needs to be as nice to them as possible but also be afraid of them. Like they are things to be afraid of, but she has to be gracious no matter what. 
And I think this is the first time that she's ever heard thank you from one of them, that she's heard them be gracious to her and that she is doing something for them, that they are not her fans as a charity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That they're her fans because she does a thing for them. And she's like, oh, this is a two-way street. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she, there's that scene after that when she, when she lands in LA and she has this moment where she's like walking off the plane through the airport and people are crying and she's like oh I've learned to take for granted that people adore me so much that they cry like what's wrong with me that I've become numb to that so then she like stops to talk to a couple fans and she hugs a fan at the airport and then she turns to her bodyguard and she's like from now on I like a little extra time at airports so I can like interact with my fans and he's like well fine with me I get paid by the hour yeah <laughs> But he also like he gets it too. Like yeah, yeah, they yeah. have an, they have a moment where he turns to her and he's like, uh, "This is for you," and she's like, "I don't want it because it's from Jack." And yeah, she's like I don't want it. He's like, "Yeah, you do." You and should so read it. She looks at it. And she's like, "Oh my!" And it's a beautiful picture of her looking happy. And she's like, "This is lovely." And she's about to set it aside, and her bodyguard's like, "You want to turn it over?" She turns it over, and it's a le- it's a note from Jack that is like. I'm not doing the story. I'm very sorry. Um, this was the most special day I ever had. Please know I love you. And then, like, that was it. And her heart, like, breaks into a billion pieces. And, like, you know the bodyguard now is, like, the best human ever. Yes. <laughs> he was great. He was great. Uh, that was, I think that was that book. That was that book. I could talk about that. this book forever, so we, we should we stop. Should, because yeah, yeah, yeah. so many lovely moments. Something to Talk About by Meryl Wilsner A showrunner and her assistant give the world something to talk about when they accidentally fuel a ridiculous rumor in this debut romance. Hollywood powerhouse Joe is photographed making her assistant Emma laugh on the red carpet, and just like that, the tabloids declare them a couple. The so-called scandal couldn't come at a worse time, threatening Emma's promotion and Joe's new movie. As the gossip spreads, it starts to affect all areas of their lives. Paparazzi are following them outside the office, co-workers are treating them differently, and a source is feeding information to the media. But their only comment is... No comment. With the launch of Joe's film project fast approaching, the two women begin to spend even more time together, getting along famously. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was not prepared for that pun. Emma seems to have a sixth sense for knowing what Joe needs, and Joe, known for being aloof and outwardly cold, opens up to Emma in a way neither of them expects. They begin to realize the rumor might not be so off-base after all. But, is acting on the spark between them worth fanning the gossip flames? So that's what that book is about. That's what that book is about! Claire, is that what the book is actually about? Yes! And no! Okay. I would say, yes, that is what happens in the book. Um... Okay, yeah, so Joe is in some ways like a Shonda Rhimes, kind of, in that she's had like this super great like career recently, um, having produced uh, two hit television shows, one in which she starred in, one in which she's just producing and writing on, uh, but she was a child star. Um, so she came into the Hollywood system as 
Um, and it kind of felt like a show that was like Modern Family, where mm -hmm. uh, she was brought in as the uh, playing the character of a um, of a girl who is a, a Chinese girl who is adopted by a white family. And so this like whole like storyline, it doesn't resolve revolve around her. She's just one of the many characters, mm -hmm. but she grew up in front of everybody. And it was called like the Johnson Dynasty or something awful yeah. like that. Oh. Yeah. And honestly, I was like, this is modern family. It's what it is. It's modern mm -hmm. family. Um, uh, you know, except maybe it was a drama. Who really knows? But she grew up in front of everybody. And now, and then uh, as she grew up, she became sort of a movie star. She was doing really well. And then she did a story. She came out with an essay that was like, what it's like to grow up as the only Asian person you know in Hollywood. And FYI, it sucks. And Hollywood's full of racism. And at which point she was cut off and she did not get cast anymore and she sort of blew up her career. And because she wasn't getting parts anymore, she decided to write her own. She wrote a television show, wrote herself into it, and it was a hit. And then uh, in her next life, she didn't, um, she didn't star in the next show. She just wrote it, was the showrunner for it and the main producer. And that's where we catch up with her now. She's being offered a big Hollywood film that's like um, 007 in some yeah, ways. Yeah, it's an American James Bond. Yeah, it's an American James Bond. Um, so she's taking that over. So she has to, the character is an existing like property, and everybody's talking about, can a woman really do this? Can a foreign woman do this? Even though she was born and grew up in the United States. <laughs> can I read a quote? Yes. This is... Uh the other character emma reading an article about joe taking on the the franchise's agent silver so taking on the agent silver franchise he didn't come out and say it was because joe was a chinese american woman instead the article was filled with worries about too soft a touch and a concern she would somehow miss the truly american essence of silver emma rolled her eyes joe was born and freaking raised here like she's from l.a yeah get it together so then my little comment or my note for that was racist be racist <laughs> uh, and so yeah and emma is her uh pa her personal assistant and just works with her hand in hand on a bunch of things as they're gearing up for this like change from her being the showrunner of this show that's doing really well in it's like sixth season or something Mm -hmm. going on and doing this Agent Silver thing. And, um, and of course, Joe has to go to all these award shows. And a lot of this felt really real. I mean, you and I are on the very periphery of Hollywood. So, like, we're not, like, in the business. But, like, we, we've got friends who mm -hmm, are mm -hmm. in it. And, we know people who know people. Right. We're also a little bit familiar with how some of it works anyway. And a lot of it really did feel really real. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it felt really, like, honest and horrific <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but, yeah, like, this is a book that very much wanted to talk about racism in Hollywood, sexism in Hollywood, and very much be part of the now with the, um, uh, with the Me Too movement and how to deal with that and all of these things and because this is the trope of a boss this is the boss romance trope or falling in love with your boss or 
it also wanted to very carefully skirt that line too like what is the difference between a romance with somebody who is your boss and being sexually harassed yeah i actually really enjoyed that because there's a scene where um joe works it out that um emma's favorite director barry davis visits the set to sort of like oh come have a look maybe we'll talk about you directing an episode later or whatever but it was mostly just to meet emma and for her to shadow him and then because the rumors that have come out which i'm sure you'll uh explain that claire um he's like oh well you're sleeping your way up so like give me a hand job and i'll get you some gigs or whatever and she and there's a she doesn't want to talk about it and then eventually she does and so then for the rest of the book joe was like so i'm attracted to my assistant who's already been sexually harassed in the workplace i cannot hit on my assistant because she's been sexually harassed in the workplace that'd be so awful of me so (laughs) that was so there were a lot of misunderstandings in this book which actually made sense to me yeah. because it's like I'm her boss and I'm informed about this and it's just that they didn't know that they both had a thing for each other but it's like I have to conduct myself this way because these are the circumstances and this is what a rational professional human being would do Yeah, and like that's where the friction came in and I actually really enjoyed that I thought it was really interesting and, and handled really well I thought so too. I also thought like the misunderstandings because um, Emma is a kind is an open person who does like to talk about things and is uh-huh. willing to be open and talk about them. Joe, on the other hand, is a very closed off person. Uh-huh. Doesn't talk about anything to anybody. And over the course of the book, we see her opening up, and not just to Emma, but to everybody in her life. Uh-huh. And but we also see why Joe is so closed off. Right, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So a lot of the miscommunications, like there is a moment where Emma's like. Um, I'm just going to tell her that I super like her and I want to start dating. And to do that, I'm going to fast track, like finding my replacement for this job. And then we won't be in this situation where she's my boss anymore and it'll be fine. And I'm just going to tell her that. (laughs) And then we'll make a plan. She walks in to tell Joe that. And Joe is like, hold up. No, no, no. Like, um, I don't know what you're about to say to me, but the plan is that um, I'm not going, I'm going to separate myself emotionally entirely. Thank you. Goodbye. Go out and get me coffee. <laughs> I was like, oh, um, well, I guess she doesn't like me. So that's a non-starter. <laughs> and, and that made total sense. Like, usually I hate these sort of, they feel very contrived. Uh, miscommunication plots feel very contrived. But this one felt pretty honest because honestly, the communication was always the problem. Mm-hmm. So since that was baked into the characters, it made way more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, how did they get together? How did we get into this whole situation? Um, Joe has to go to the SAG Awards, mm-hmm. and she wants somebody to act as a buffer and to kind of like come between her and the rest of the world. Again, so we see Joe sets up barriers between herself and everybody else. So she asks her assistant to come with her and she buys her assistant a beautiful dress and like, you know, puts jewelry on her and like gets her really pumped up. And so when they go down the red carpet together, they look like they're on a date. They just look like they're on a date. And at one point, Emma's doing her job. Emma is going to be the buffer. And so she comes in to kind of interrupt on the red carpet to pull Joe away, you know, while they're asking these agent silver questions. 
And Jill's like, no, 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 actually, this is a time I should be answering these questions. And she can tell Emma's flustered because it's her first time on the red carpet. So she, like, makes Emma laugh. Emma does laugh. And now they look like they're having an amazing time together. That's the photo that goes everywhere. Everyone thinks that this older woman is dating this younger woman who's also her assistant. And, oh, my God, the scandal. That's it. That's pretty much it. And then after that, Joe's like, again, I'm a closed-off person. I do not comment on my life. And Emma's like, Emma has a really hard time communicating, but it's also my life. <laughs> right. But then Joe does make the argument that if, like, oh, if I finally break my silence now, people are just going to read into it, and it'll just make things worse. Right. And and I think she is correct, because yeah. it does die down, and that it does go away eventually. But, like, so what it seemed like it was going to set up was, like, a fake date situation, but it never does that. Joe is, like, very clear. And so, like, it takes a long time in this book for these two to kind of, like, get to know each other. And um, it really genuinely is because they're already comfortable with each other as work partners in a work relationship. And that they have to kind of soothe each other through this time because they're the only two who knows what it feels like to be going through this. That's how they get to know each other more. Yeah. It is way less about them being thrown together more for work. It mm -hmm. is very much about that they find comfort in each other in this like kind of hard time. Yeah, it was like 70% into the book. I'm like, nobody's admitted feelings yet. Is yeah. this not a romance? What's going to happen? And then it does and it resolves itself and oh my god that sex scene oh yeah so good yeah that sex scene was great oh, oh. Um, and they both did things that were bad like they both like made mistakes and overstepped boundaries um mm -hmm. uh i mean there was the one that joe did so joe is very close with her brother and his children and goes to their baseball games come to find out those kids are on the same team as Emma's nephew is. Mm -hmm. um, but Joe never says this to Emma mm -hmm. <laughs> and doesn't tell her to just come with her to the game. And that she becomes friends with her sister, Avery. Right. And Avery isn't going to let this on because she thinks, oh, I guess Joe wants to keep this a secret for some reason. Or like maybe like or maybe my sister doesn't want to come or maybe she is being worked to the phone. So this is all kept a huge secret and it like when it comes out like emma is fucking hurt pissed she is so pissed and it isn't only that like but then avery and joe kind of enter a business relationship because avery has a cupcakes business or, well it's a bakery mm -hmm. it's a bakery and uh, and joe's like i have a shit ton of money just take some of my fucking money like i don't need more money just take it and i have more employees like i like you you're my friend how do i treat my friends with fucking money like just yep. have money yeah. and avery yeah. is like that's not how you treat friends first of all that's not actually how friends work two we're friends that's super exciting <laughs> well, joe only has one the best joe only has one friend yes and, and she lives in New York, <laughs> so she's like, I don't. And she, and it's, it, it's funny too. And I like, I, I almost wish that um, the author had this, had made this connection too, because when Emma finds out that Joe and Avery have been hanging out, quote behind her back, Emma's kind of upset because like Avery's married with kids, she has a successful business, whereas Emma uh, dropped out of film school, she 
is single. So she she feels that her sister has hit a lot of success markers that she hasn't. And she feels like she's kind of been living in her shadow. And so having this relationship with Joe was sort of special to her. And she didn't want to share that. But then we see Joe is like, I need a friend in L.A. I have no friends in L.A. So when she becomes friends with Avery, it, it's like, and she knows that she's Emma's sister. And it's kind of like, I, I, I feel like in part why she didn't want to say anything is because she just wanted that friendship to be hers also. Yeah. And there are a lot of there are a lot of times when the author like draws direct parallels between Joe and Emma. Like these these two women are very similar in a lot of ways that that matter and make sense. And so I feel that 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 was a lot of why the whole snafu with Avery happened. Yeah. Also, I love Avery. Oh, Avery was great. Avery was great. Evelyn, the friend in New York, she was great. Yep. Both so good. Oh, yeah, no, I think one of my favorite parts about Evelyn was very much like every time she called, she's like, so how's your girlfriend doing? And teasing <laughs> Joe about it. And Joe was like, I don't like this. But Joe let it happen because she did like it. She did yeah. like being teased. She did like having a friend. And like the two moments she really needed it to stop, she was honest. And she's like, I can't actually right now. I need you to be this other person. And Evelyn's like, great, got it. No problem. <laughs> and And so you could see like that they had a really good relationship. Whereas I think, like, just a little bit over, like, Evelyn could have been, like, an awful bitch that we hated to hear from. But she was just the right amount of driven and successful and interesting that it really, mm-hmm. I think, it sassy. She was her own character, too. She was. I, like, half of me is like, oh, the next book's going to be about Evelyn. Oh, it should be, yeah. It should be. She was great. <laughs> um, yeah. I And so, like, when they get together, it makes sense. Like, uh the part of part of why they're able to kind of come back together is because of the whole bad director hitting on Emma situation, not hitting on uh, sexually harassing Emma situation. Mm-hmm. And because Joe wants to fix it, she wants to do anything she can to fix it. And Emma having to be like, um, maybe you should leave this up to me since it happened to me. <laughs> Evelyn was too. She was just like, this is what I'm going to do. And everyone's like, talk to Emma first. And just like, well, yeah. And then I'll do this and this. Talk to Emma first. And then this is how I'll fix it. Talk to Emma first. Yeah. <laughs> I really like, I, like over and over again. And finally she listened. And finally she heard that. She's like, okay, I'll wait. And then Emma was like, okay, whatever you were planning on doing, I'm ready for it. I talked to my rabbi. I was able to kind of like move through some emotions. I'm ready. <laughs> I was like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I thought this, this book was very good too, because when um, Joe was making uh, machinations, but not machinations, like planning basically to ruin Barry Davis's career for being a garbage person, um, she contacted uh, another or a very well-known actress who got her start in one of his movies. It was like, hey, I just, and she was like delicate about it, but she was basically like, so this happened. Did this also happen to you? And the actress was like, yeah. And she's like, okay, great. I'm going to say something. So she like made a press release and then a bunch of other actresses came out too. And there were a lot of conversations around like, and even Joe was talking to this other actress and she's like, well, I'm sorry that I like 
kind of forced you into this. And the actress was like, no, 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 you didn't. You gave me a heads up. You gave me the space as the victim to decide how I wanted to proceed with this. And like you talking to me helped inspire me to say something which was right for me. Yeah. And then they they fund this organization or found this organization, which is basically like, okay, we're going to set it up so that however women who are victims of sexual harassment in Hollywood, whatever they want to do to move on from this, they're able to do it, whether it be like speaking out publicly or dealing with it privately. And so this book was very good about that. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought um, it was a good way to like talk about it and which kind of felt like why this, this book felt like a issue book wrapped with the romance. But it's mm-hmm. like, this is how I want to talk about these issues. Um, and I'll put a romance in it to make it palatable. <laughs> but like, it was also the romance. Like, so it was like, um, but I thought it was good. I liked, I enjoyed the characters very much. I would say like the one thing that bothered me was actually how this whole thing started. And this is so dumb and I'm really sorry, but like, uh, those people bring their assistants with them all the time. Like, <laughs> they <laughs> always show up to those. Like, they, they have to be there. And, like, mm-hmm. they're just always there. And they look great, like, but they also look great in, like, black Armani, but it is Armani off the rack. But it's, like, yeah, they yeah, yeah. hang out in the back. Everybody knows who your assistant is because they need to contact your assistant all the time for shit. So, like, they know, oh, that person's her assistant. And if your assistant comes up to you and tries to move you along the red carpet, they know that. They know that that's where... And they also know you're friends with your assistant. Everybody knows that everybody has to have some sort of friendly relationship with their assistant to be able to stand being around them for 18 hours a day. (laughs) (laughs) The thing... um, I also really enjoyed this book. But for me, there were some pacing issues. Um like we start with sort of establishing their characters and then we go to the SAG awards and we see what happens on the red carpet and then like kind of nothing happens for a while. And then there's a part like the, the bit with um, Avery and Joe was, I enjoyed it, but it also was like, but what else is going on? Kind of like, what is this doing for the romance kind of thing? And then there's the bit with the leak, like they figured out that, on the TV show that they work on, somebody that they worked with was leaking to the press, like where they were going to be, conversations that they had, and they're like, "Oh, there's a leak." Yeah. And then, like, sixty percent of the book happens, and then it becomes the issue, and then, and then it's like, "Oh, well, it's obviously that guy." We we have like, we know four people who work on this, or five people who work on the TV show: Joe, Emma, one of the actors the other producer, and then this guy that Emma used to work with in the props department. It's obviously the guy in the props department. Right. So I wish there had been a little more of a red herring. And it, it to me, it kind of felt like the author was like, okay, I'm going to establish this bit with the leak, and then I'm going to talk about the romance, and then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen. And it's like, no, you can have, you can like layer some of those things in together. Um, like, I almost wish that part of them bonding or like realizing that they were into each other was them sort of like okay well we need to figure out who this leak is and us sort of like following that trail a little bit more um 
Yeah, I, I kind of also, I like Joe as a character a lot. I did think she was like a full, strong, interesting character. I thought Emma needed a lot more work. Like, yeah. I thought, like, I didn't why this strong, amazing writer was so, was going to be so into her assistant. Like, it took me a really long time. Like, mm-hmm. and and the book didn't always use that well. Like, there's a lot of montages of them just working together, but I didn't know what the fuck Emma was doing. We went into in depth into the into what Joe does in her daily life, and we did mm-hmm. not go into that with Emma. And I also didn't know why Emma wanted to be a director. There was nothing about her passion in there. There was nothing about exactly like was she good at it? Did she have a reel? Did what? Like being a director is a big fucking deal. And like it was just sort of like honestly, at times she just seemed like this very mousy, sad but tall assistant who was pretty and was like oh yeah maybe i'll direct (laughs) yeah and i i was like really like i didn't know like and it like i honestly still am not like what like like quite sure what her appeal was i mean at the beginning she's like oh i can't wear that dress it's too expensive and i do get that as a human being but i was also like okay but what makes you cool <laughs> yeah, it it almost felt like that the author started with Joe, and it was like, okay, who could be a good counterpart to that? And okay, somebody who's like really open. And for his like Emma, in a lot of ways, didn't have a filter when it came to her interactions with other people, um, except when she was very shut off because she's like, oh, I'm mad at this person, so I'm going to shut down. Like that's how she expressed anger was putting in the filter. But at the same time, it's like. I don't get a lot of like what she wants or what drives her other than like her boss is really hot and successful. And I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Joe sounded sexy as fuck, but it's like, I, I, yeah, I wanted a little bit more out of Emma, despite the fact that like, I definitely sense of what it was like to hang out with her. I didn't get a sense of what it was like to be her. Yeah. I mean, I think like, if we talk about what the other characters learned in their other in the other book that like you cannot just give and give and give and give like mm-hmm. you need to like want something for yourself and Emma seemed very much that person like she was so good at being a PA because she was perfectly willing to just give and give and give and give um but that's all like I don't I didn't like it took a long time until she like accepted a thing and the only thing she accepted was like yeah I'll hang out with this director that I obviously love to try to get something and then she was punished for it so, I mean by the by the author and by the plot not by the events of, like you know so yeah, I, yeah. I mean which just teaches her to and like even when she then says out loud like in a meeting a thing that she's feeling she's punished by her love interest for that mm-hmm. so really terribly really terribly and i thought like sure that makes sense if you're her assistant and this is an assistant relationship you're just some pa on this you don't get to yell you don't get to yell that kind of shit but also like uh this that's not romantic <laughs> yeah that's not romance we're reading this for this creepy romance not for this stilted adulthood right but then also how many straight romance novels have we read where the guy shows up and says something horrible to the woman and that's romantic of him no it's very true that's very true um but and i'm not like it was a very realistic moment it was it was um 
so this is this is Merrill's first book, and it you know it felt like a first book. It was a very good first book. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned that like oh it it kind of felt like an issue book wrapped in a romance novel, and yes, but I think it's only because um, it felt like Merrill was focusing on on sort of one thing at a time. And I definitely don't want to dissuade anyone from like bringing up issues in their romance. Oh, absolutely not. And and like, it, and also like this is the real world of Hollywood, though. Like yeah, all these yeah, things, yeah, yeah. Are things that people are dealing with. And just like in in the other book we read, where we were talking about facial reconstruction surgery for children, and like the horrors of being put through this terrible thing just to get what you want. Like mm-hmm. it felt really real to the world, mm-hmm. but. Unlike in that book where it felt like world building, in this part, like you said, it felt stilted like notes. Like, oh, mm-hmm. and I also should bring up this, and oh, I should also bring up this. Yeah. Yeah. Though I will say, as much as, like I, I said earlier, that there were a few pacing issues for me, there were definitely moments that I was like, I was gasping, I was flipping through the pages. Like, there were some really exciting moments that I was like, I need to read this section. Um so yeah, I I think overall it was like a it's a very good first book. Oh yeah, um, and I really did genuinely like when it hit between the two of them, like when they go to the the uh, location scouting trip. Oh, in Calgary. I loved it. I loved yeah. it so much. Like they were so like they were. I finally understood what they saw in each other, mm-hmm. and they were adorable together. And, like, I wanted them to just, like, smash faces, and they both wanted to, and they were both, like, recognizing that in themselves, so they're like, oh, I'm soups into this person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was so nice! Yeah, the only thing, though, is that we then had, when we've seen this a couple times, where in the end, there's, like, a scene of them finally having sex, just for the sake of them finally having sex. Yeah. Like, everything else is resolved, and this is how we show that it's resolved, and it doesn't feel quite as, like, impactful, or, like, engaging i guess i mean don't get me wrong the sex scene was great yeah but it's like i i wish that there had been like super sexy right but it's like okay you're having sex but it's we know it's the end we know that the end has already happened so uh, but yeah i i enjoyed it very much yeah yeah no i had a good time i had a good time okay great and that was that book that was that book so neil are you ready? Am I ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? Let's play Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Kill. Let's play Fuck Mary. Kill. 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 Are you ready? Fuck Mary. Kill. Neil, you go first. Me? Yeah. Okay, Claire. Yes. Um, I have one. That's like choosing between good things and one that's choosing between bad things. Which one do you want? Uh, well, I have one that's choosing between bad things, so maybe we should do the choosing between good things. I'll do the good things. Should Should you go first so okay, that we end sure. on a happy note? All right. <laughs> We're no. all so emotionally fragile these days. So emotionally fragile. Um, fuck, Mary kill. Mm-hmm. Tabloid photographers. Mm-hmm. Hansy producers. Mm-hmm. Leakers, also quote unquote sources. Mm. Oh, okay. All of so all of the bad guys in these books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna kill Hansy producers. Oh, just get rid. Of, yeah, that's outright. Um, 
I think. Oh. Okay, I think I'm gonna fuck tabloid photographers. Okay. Um, I mean, like that my sex tape will end up on the internet, but that's the price I pay for fame. <laughs> it worked for Paris Hilton, right? Um, it did. Did it though? Did it? I don't um, know where she is. Just yeah. rich somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then I guess I'll marry quote sources because sometimes those sources are people being like oh I have to remain anonymous so I don't get fired for telling you how much this person is a garbage person and everyone should know it so sometimes sources lead to good things Um, and I guess I'll be married to that unknowable instability sure why the fuck not I I don't know I don't know I know, part of me was like, yeah. Part of me is like, maybe I should marry tabloid photographers because you know what you're gonna get. I don't know. I know it's hard. I mean, mostly I'm thinking like when I think of tabloid photographers, I think of Princess Diana, and I'm yeah. like, they killed Princess Diana. I mean, we all know Windsor killed Princess Diana when you get right down to it. But also tabloid photographers. Mm-hmm. And so, but then handsy producers, obviously, like Harvey Weinstein. Ugh. Like, no good. Like, uh, done with that. Yeah. But then I also, like, now, and when I say sources, I'm not really thinking of, like, those people who are like, oh, I'm seeing that tobacco is bad and they're saying it's good. And I got to tell this, you know, reporter that, yo, tobacco's bad. I'm thinking of, like, the guy who's, like, says he's your best friend and then he gets paid 500 bucks to say, like, oh, she's totes dating this dude even though she actually isn't like he's just wanted so, to get so not whistleblowers not whistleblowers gossip not whistleblowers and not anonymous inside the government sources who are just you know regularly telling mm-hmm. stories on the, but no like the bad ones like okay i i think i'll yeah i think i'll marry them because even if they are doing something shitty there's sometimes people have a tendency to like people will choose to believe it or not regardless because they'll if they don't want to believe it they'll be like oh it's in a quote anonymous source somebody probably just made it up whatever i don't care so right i feel like the damage is is somewhat mitigated i think of all of the people like the the probably the leaked sources is probably more like brought up by the environment so yeah i agree i would marry Mm -hmm. them um i'm also gonna fuck tabloid photographers again i still think they killed princess diana so this is hard but because handsy producers have ended so many careers so that's there's never i mean there's never a good handsy producer story and sometimes tabloid photographers are literally just like i'm standing across the street taking a picture of somebody walking out of a restaurant true which in the grand scheme of things is pretty benign um, handsy producers, they are handsy because they are Satan's diarrhea. Yes. Indeed. And that's n- never good. Indeed. Okay. All right, Neil. Claire. Cleanse the palate. Cle- we'll cleanse the palate. Fuck, Mary kill. <laughs> Charlie, which is Jack's roommate. Uh huh. But he's 18, because they're all 17 in that book, which I think, I don't know the age of consent in Hong Kong. It might not be an issue. Um, I don't want to get into that. What the age of consent is in Asian, in any Asian like island or culture or anything, we're not talking about that. 
anytime we're doing fuck Mary kill and they're underage i am aging them up to 40. <laughs> <laughs> okay so charlie as a 40 year old uh avery emma's sister or evelyn joe's friend Ooh. Ooh. they're all great they're all great okay I am going to marry, uh, I'm going to marry, oh, say her name again, the sister. Avery. Avery. I'm going to marry Avery because one, she bakes, two, she has dogs, Mm -hmm. and she just seems like so lovely and Mm -hmm. super comforting, and she knows how to keep a secret. She's like, oh, I should not tell people this, even though I super want to. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I also appreciated, like, after her sister told her what happened with the producer-director guy, mm-hmm. she calls up Joe right away and is like, so are we killing that motherfucker? Why are you waiting? <laughs> She's like, so we're going to fix this, right? Yeah, it was so good. Um, so I want to marry her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I'm going to fuck Charlie because, ugh, like, he was so insightful. And, like, mm-hmm. also he knew it was lucky right away, and he just... He's like, I'm going to acknowledge who you are, but I'm not going to be weird. Right? He was like, oh, good for my friend for, like, backing her as a date. This is yeah. exciting. I hope they have fun. Yeah. He, he he never once thought to contact the media or anything. Never. And, mm-hmm. and wasn't going to ask her weird questions or be all up on that. Like, he was just like, okay, cool. And He's like, have he, fun, you two. Wink, wink. He did get an opportunity to kiss her on the cheek, and he took it. But also not in a weird way. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna fuck him, and I'm only gonna kill Evelyn because there was those other choices. I think Evelyn was delightful in some ways because she had to be that character who's one track because Joe doesn't open up to anybody. Mm-hmm. And so if we want to talk about Joe's feelings outside of her head, we had to have that outside person, and so Evelyn had to be really one track as a character. Right. So that's why I'll kill her. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um I think I'll also marry Avery. Like she was great, but also that chocolate bobka. Oh. 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 And hey, if I marry into a Jewish family, I will not be upset about it. <laughs> um all the all the food, half the guilt. Love it. Um I think I will I think I will fuck Evelyn just because she seems like a lot of fun. Because we see the bit where um, she and Joe have the dinner with Joe's co-star from the first show that she was on that played her brother on that really problematic show. And uh-huh. growing up, Evelyn had a huge crush on him. So we see her just kind of flirt with him and just like, yeah, sure, whatever, have fun with it. So we see, you know, Evelyn knows how to let her hair down. She knows how to get shit done, but she knows how to let her hair down. Um, so I think, oh, fuck her. I, th- I feel like it'd be fun. And like, I feel like it'd be a, in, a, in a penthouse. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, and then I'll kill Charlie, not because I want to, but only because like, I, I die in my soul when I think about unsafe drivers. <laughs> That's the only reason. That's the only reason makes sense yeah and i don't i don't want to fuck him on that bed that he shares with his roommate every week (laughs) 
they do change out the sheets. They're like, it's Jack is telling uh, Lucky about it, and he's very, very insistent. We each have our own set of sheets that we change out when it's our week in the bed. Bed week, <laughs> I'm sure they call it. Oh, okay. Of all the characters. Yeah, even go ahead. though he said that, um, uh, even though he said that, she came back right away. You're still an 18 year old boy. You do know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's actually. They're still your sheets, and they're still gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you change them out. How often do you clean them? Yeah. <laughs> okay, 18 year old boy. <laughs> Whatever. Gross. Oh, okay. Of all the characters. Uh, of all the characters. Oh, man. Um, okay, I think I'm going to fuck Jack. Again, mm-hmm. aging him up. But also, like, I, he's not... He's he's in the moment of change. He's not ready to settle down. I don't, sure. like, he's got a lot to learn still. But he seemed like so much fun. And like, I, I feel like it would be... The leading up to it would be him taking you to a cool restaurant and a fun bar where he like knows people he knew everyone in hong kong yeah or he just was smart and took lucky to places where he knew people right um, but he knows, smart. yeah he knows a bunch of cool people so he'd probably take you to a fun place and then and then you'd go to your hotel not his apartment yes i mean <laughs> and and he was and he good conversations like mm-hmm. delightful um, I would marry Joe because after she is opened up, ah, uh-huh. like she is so great and she's Hollywood billionaire, like, and she wants to buy you pretty dresses just for you and like she's just like yeah, you need money, whatever, and she's like also like super smart and yeah, no, she seems like a great spouse. I would love that. That sounds delightful, and she's super good at sex. All that sounds great. She's super good at sex. Um, and I think I'm gonna kill the Hamzy producer. Barry Davis. Yeah, oh, yep. Barry Davis. Like, he was the worst. He's the worst. He was the worst right away. It's just really disappointing when somebody is someone you look up to and someone you really respect, and especially artistically, and they turn around and they're just a horrific person. Like, yeah. especially in a way that physically hurts you. <laughs> yeah, and we see Emma's like, I can't watch any of my favorite movies anymore. Because he directed all of them. And yeah. he's the devil. Oh, poor thing. So, yeah. And no. you? Um, I would also kill uh, Barry Davis. Because the worst. Like, F- Phil, the guy who was the, the source, he was also bad. But then also, like, we have no idea why he did that. I guess money. But, like, whatever. Whatever. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to kill Barry Davis. I'm going to fuck Joe. Cause she's good at the sex, um, and she she made them dinner that night too. Yeah. And something tells me she's she's a good cook, so she'll feed me. Um, so I, I appreciate that in a human being. <laughs> um, and then I think I'm gonna marry Evelyn. Oh yeah. Yeah, she just seemed um, the 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 fact that she was just like, oh, I'm. I'm teasy, I'm sassy. Oh, you need me to be serious? I'm serious now. Oh, you need me to help? I'll help. Like when she, um, uh, so when there was a point where Joe was approached by a photographer who was like, I have pictures of your assistant kissing you outside of her apartment and basically blackmailing her for the, for the pictures. 
And then Joe calls Evelyn and she's like, I need an NDA. And Evelyn's like, yeah, sure. I'll call you in an hour. And an hour later, she's like, here. Um, but then she put in the part, like it very specifically was like, if these pictures show up, then Joe is entitled to the photographer's dog. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just wanted to throw a little levity in there. Um, so she seems great. And just like, yeah, sure. What I, I'll just move to New York and go live with an attorney in New York. Why the hell not? Right. That sounds great. So, yeah. Okay. And the books. The books. Um, well, I think, I think I'm going to marry, um, oh my God, I feel like even though they're song titles, I'm going to marry Somewhere Only We Know. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved, I loved it. I fucking loved it. Like, it was so delightful. I highly recommend this. It was such a fun book. Um, I'm going to marry it. I mean, I was putting a ring on it. I loved it. I think I want to buy it and like on my put it on my shelf to tell like hand it out to people for Christmas presents. Like this is great. Um, yeah. And I think like something to talk about. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I think I'm just gonna fuck it though. Like I I also recommend people read it. I thought it was delightful and fun, but also like didn't grab me quite the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also going to marry somewhere only we know. <gasps> no! Uh, it's no! so good. And it's just like, it's so sweet, but not saccharine or especially twee. Mm-hmm. And like, even though we see Lucky's very like bubbly and bouncing around and she kind of gets distracted easily. And oh my God, bitch can eat. Um, and she like has the the potential to be that really just like... Oh, aren't I just, like, a cute girl? Blah, blah, blah. She's not, because then we see her have, like, oh, this is this is my philosophy on what it means to me that I'm sacrificing so much for my career that helps other, or that gives something to other people. And, like, she calls Jack out on his bullshit, and, um, and he starts out as, like, kind of a garbage person, and every time he's like, oh, I'm going to use my, my smile that wins all the women over, and I, like, rolled my eyes, and then it just didn't work. I'm yeah. lucky, and then she smiled at him, and what he called this, his smile, like, the destroyer or the devastator or something. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, and then she sent a smile that sent the that shot the devastator out of the water or something like that. It's like, great. So it's, like... um Maureen is very uh, mindful of like, okay, here are like the problematic tropes in Roman Holiday and I'm going to show you, I'm going to use them as a jumping off point to show you like why they're troublesome and problematic and show you like what it means to be a self-actualized person, especially a self-actualized woman. It was great. It was wonderful. All that food. And when she buys him the little women's shirt. (laughs) It's like purposefully, she's just like, I, I need to buy him an embarrassing shirt, but it has to be the right kind of embarrassing. It's great. Like, they both got jokes. I love it. I love it. Um, something to talk about. I'm going to date it for a while. Um, I'm not going to quite marry it. I'm going to I'm gonna date it because, again, like, a few things needed to be fleshed out, but there are certain sections that I was like, I was like gasping. I was like, ah, mm, yes. Mm. And then when they did finally get together and like, I, th- this book did not shy away from actually talking about issues, which was great. The tropes that it made use of made use of them well. And like the misunderstandings made sense. Um, 
the like all the arguments that they had made sense in even when it's like oh we all know that this person isn't doing like the mature thing it still felt realistic and made sense um so and then that sex scene at the end while it didn't have stakes it was really good yeah um so i'm definitely gonna gonna date this book for a while and i'm wholeheartedly convinced that um Meryl Wilsner's second or third book, I'll want to marry it. Excellent. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. So that's right. that. Okay. Is it time for our favorite game? I think so. It's time for... Christine Guess! Oh, <laughs> we've almost got it. It's amazing. Or we could just oh, give up because we have the recording. <laughs> no. no never. never give up. Never. <laughs> okay, Claire. Okay. Yes. Claire. Yes. What are we reading next? Our next books are Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert and Less by Andrew Sheen Greer. Sean Greer. Sheen Greer? Sean Greer. Less by Andrew Sean Greer. Words. <laughs> I read them. And get a Life. Get a life and less. Get a life, Chloe Brown. That's the title. Get a life, Chloe Brown, and less. And less. Wow, they sound like contradictory titles. (laughs) (laughs) Get less of a life, Chloe Brown. (laughs) Get a life and everything and less at the same time. Uh, I feel like that's very... um, uh, indicative of what I feel every day of my life these days. <laughs> a paradox. <laughs> yeah. I need to get alive, but I have less of a life <laughs> to get. And so, okay, if you're going to get a life, what do you need less of? Um, I'm approaching it. I'm analyzing it. Um, mm. I want to say something like... <laughs> Like anxiety also feels like the answer to that question is a little too on the nose, just with the time that we're. Now. <laughs> is it anxiety? Tell me. I mean, honestly, I from what I've read about both these books, both of these characters have an immense amount of anxiety. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I I feel like I like this would be a stupid theme, but I feel like. It's both of them getting over really bad breakups. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. A, that wouldn't be a dumb theme. That'd be great. Well, that's yeah. like half of the stuff that we read. Well, <laughs> I mean, it, it always is. But I mean, to, like, what actually it is is like, um, if you if you'll allow me to say, yeah, are you done guessing? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Claire yeah. books are always really hard. Yeah. Well, I know. But I don't <laughs> feel like a dick. Like this one would be like hard, but like it's um, it's saying yes. It's about saying yes. Oh. Like, both of these characters start off the book with they're, uh, they're going to say yes to things. So, like, the things that, the new things that come into their lives, they're going to say yes to it. Then and how like, is one less? Uh, that's actually the character's last name. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, therein is the paradox. Gosh yeah, darn yeah. it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it is about two characters. They're changing their lives. And so they're okay. saying yes to things. 
Okay. Um, so we've gotten to the point that the themes require more than one word to explain. <laughs> I, mean, like, I feel like the theme is saying yes. That's actually like a romance trope. Like It is. Like, so somebody wants to restart their life, so they're going to say yes to things. So, okay. like, uh, like, and so I thought this would be fun. And, like, okay. you know. I've also uh, heard good things about both of these books. Yeah, I think so I'm both excited of these to read them. Are on like numerous recommendation lists that have come up by my view screen and my eyes. <laughs> Girl. Um, so yeah, both of these are books that I've been wanting to read for a while, um, but like separately. And then like I was looking, and they come together in a in a in a delightful say yes theme. Mm. Say yes to these books, Claire. Say yes. Yes. Well, yes. 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 And see if we will say yes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yes, books. Um, yeah. Yes, books. Yes, romance. Yes. <laughs> this is also the first time we will be reading a Pulitzer Prize winning book. Oh. Oh, la de We're getting fancy. <laughs> yeah. So Les won the Pulitzer won a Pulitzer Prize in 2017. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, look at that. Congratulations. Pet agree. Pet agree. Good. Okay. Well, I suppose that is it though. Before we go, we do want to say um our our book buddies at Books Inc. Um have invited us we were going to participate in an event but august 15th is bookstore romance day okay. which is very exciting and um we are actually interviewing some of the employees at books inc who are f just a group of fabulous women who love romance um so that will be we'll be posting that on our website um on august 15th and then also Books Inc. will we'll be sharing that stuff. So go buy some romance books, if for no other reason than to support a local business. Yeah, support your local bookstore. I mean, of course, go to Books Inc. Laurel Heights if you can, but mm -hmm. also any independent bookstore. Go to an independent bookstore, walk up to the counter and say, show me a romance section. They will go, we don't have one, uh, because some independent romance bookstores don't have a romance section, but they will show you romance books and they will walk you through. And they will just grab things off the shelf, and you can hold them in your arms. I <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we we and then also our interviewees also have a lot of book recommendations yep. um, that we'll be sharing. So if you don't even know where to start, watch the, watch these little interviews that we're going to do. Um, so thank you, Claire. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank, Thank you, Christine. Thank you, authors. Thank you so much, authors. This was, I'm so glad that both of these books were so good. Oh, it was such oh. a delight. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting harder and harder to, like, slog through a bad book these days. Honestly, yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you, listeners. Thank you so very much, listeners. We love uh, everything about you, especially that you listen to us. Indeed. Uh, please go and check us out on um, all of the places that podcasts are and tell your friends about us. Yeah, tell your friends, um, even if your friends don't read romance, but like laughing at stuff. I like to think that we're funny. 
You know, I like to think that we're fucking hilarious. And to quote, using using uh, Claire's Claire's uh, what she said earlier, I almost feel like this has become an issue podcast wrapped in romance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we talk about issues. Whenever I tell people about this, they're like, "Oh, that sounds like fun." I'm like, "Yeah, it is." And then we talk about consent a lot, which is not what I was expecting to happen. Okay, so tell your friends and. Um, I guess all we have left to say is, um, if you can do so responsibly in a way that does not spread a deadly virus, keep 